We come now to a time that's special for our children. And so if you are, if you have children in your home, I invite you to bring them a little closer to the screen that we're watching and worshiping with together. And I'm gonna look right at this camera and talk to our children. You may have noticed we haven't read the Bible story yet. I'm gonna do that in just a minute because we're gonna be reading it in a really special way. We're going to read it slowly with our eyes closed and listen for a special word that jumps out at us from the story. But part of the scripture that we're going to hear is one of my favorite parables. It's about two builders, a wise builder and a not-so-wise builder, who built their houses in different ways. And you may know this story, and I'm thinking you may know a song about it, too. So in case you don't know the song, I wanted to teach it to you this morning. Maybe your parents know the song and they can help you too. Or maybe you know it and your parents don't and you can help them to learn it. The wise man built his house on the rock. Do you know the song? It comes with hand motions too. So let's do this together. I'll sing it kind of slowly. So if you don't know it, you can learn it as we go. Okay, ready? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. But the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came a-tumbling down. Oh, the rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up and the house on the sand went splat. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. So build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings will come down. Oh, the blessings will come down as the prayers go up. The blessings will come down and the prayers go up. The blessings will come down and the prayers go up if you build your life on the Lord. Yay! Thank you all for singing with me. I hope you sang with me too. And I hope you uh, go to the Sunday school lesson that Pastor Maggie provided. There's a link in there to a YouTube video with a song in it. So if you want to hear it again and learn it by heart, you can go there and do that. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for the stories of Jesus that we can understand. The story of the two builders that helps us remember that you are the most important thing in our lives, that we can always count on your love to be with us even when times are hard, when the storms come, you are with us. You are our rock. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
So as we have been making our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and as we turned into the season of Lent at the beginning of March, we began introducing every Sunday a different spiritual practice that would help us dive more deeply into this sermon. And so our spiritual practice for this morning is called Lectio Divina. Literally, it means holy reading. It's a very ancient way of reading scripture that invites us to listen with our hearts to the word of God. Not just listen with our minds, but to pay attention and open our lives to the word of God. So here's how the practice works. I'm going to read our scripture very slowly, and I would invite you to listen with your eyes closed as I read it out loud. And children, if you could help your parents keep their eyes closed, that would be good. As you listen to the scripture, listen for a word, a phrase, or an image that rises up for you. I will give us some silence to ponder that word or phrase or image and then I'll read the text one more time slowly and give you a chance to invite God to speak to you through that word or phrase or image. What is it that God might be saying to you or teaching you or showing you through that word or phrase or image? So as we prepare to hear the word today, I would invite you to join with me in our Lenten prayer for illumination. Let us pray. O oh God, we offer all of our preconceptions about this scripture, all of our safe, familiar interpretations to the flame of your refining fire. Turn them into ashes and let new meaning rise like the sun at the dawn of a new day. Amen. And so if you would, take a moment to rest in silence and close your eyes and hear these final words from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, 
and not as their scribes. As we have a moment of silence together, I would like you to ponder the word or phrase or image that rose up for you from this text. If you'd like to write it down or say it out loud or share it on Facebook, knowing that that's a public forum, I welcome you to do that. Hear again this reading from the Sermon on the Mount. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. And now take another moment in the silence to ask God what God might be saying to you through this text, through the word or phrase or image that rose up for you. And take this word into your heart. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Every week as I prepare to compose a sermon, I have a basic practice that I go through. One of the first things that I do is to get out my Bible and read the scripture text for the upcoming Sunday. First, I read it with my mind. I get out some commentaries, I try to get out the Greek translation, although I can't really understand that anymore, it's been too long since I took Greek, but I get as much information as I can about the text. I look at who wrote it, when they wrote it, to whom were they writing, what's the context, what are some of the words in the, in the text that draw my attention. So I get some of that information down. But then I approach the text again with my heart. And I do this practice of Lectio Divina. And I listen for a word or a phrase or an image that God lifts up, not just for me, but for us, 
I ask God, what is it that you want us to hear through this text this week? Sometimes the word is clear and sometimes it's less clear, but that's an important practice for me to listen with my heart. And so as I sat with this text this past week and I listened for that word or phrase, what jumped out at me this week were the words acts on. Toward the end when Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and acts on them. Now that may have risen up for me because of some of the commentaries I had read that said that the Greek word for doing and acting appears over and over in these last verses of the Sermon on the Mount. We have been spending many weeks in this Sermon on the Mount. It lasts for three whole chapters in Matthew's Gospel. If you have one of those Bibles that puts Jesus' words in red ink, we have pages and pages of red ink in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has been teaching his disciples and teaching the crowds. And now as he comes to the end of his sermon, he says, I invite you not just to hear these words, but to act on them, to do them, to put them into practice. I think Jesus knew that that it's part of our nature at times to get enamored with beautiful words or to admire a teacher rather than to follow that teacher. It's funny, one of the things that has been raising my spirits during these days of social distancing is Sir Patrick Stewart, who every day tweets out a video of himself reading one of Shakespeare's sonnets. It started last week when he put out a video on Twitter of himself reading sonnet number 116. Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediment. I mean, he could read the phone book and I would listen to it. And he got so much wonderful feedback. He had people saying, please do this every day, that he decided he would start with sonnet number one and read one a day. And so I can listen to Patrick Stewart reading the sonnets of Shakespeare and it just feels so good and it brings me such pleasure. But it doesn't change my life. It doesn't challenge me to live differently or to be more generous or more loving. And Jesus perhaps knew that that was a temptation for us, that we might listen to his words without taking them to heart, that we might hear the beautiful words, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the merciful. You are the salt of the earth. Consider the lilies. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. These are the kinds of verses and the kind of phrases that we love to have on our refrigerators or we love to get them framed and put them up on our walls. They're beautiful poetry. But Jesus said they are not worth anything if you don't build your life on them, if you don't put them into practice, if you don't try to do these words. And so that's the invitation that he gives to the crowds at the end of his sermon. And he sets the contrast. He said, there are those who will hear these words of mine and do nothing about them. It's like those who take the easy path, the wide road. It's like those who would build their houses on sand. But there are those who will hear these words of mine and act on them. 
who will choose the harder way, the narrow gate that leads to true life, who will build their house on rock. So how do we act on these words? How do we put them into practice? As we made our way through this sermon, we have considered what it means to be peacemakers. How do we make peace in our lives, in our relationships? How do we show mercy to real people? How do we help build a world that is merciful and just? How do we grow to be more pure in heart? How do we let go of our worry when Jesus says, do not worry? How do we train ourselves to stop judging when we hear Jesus say, do not judge? And the whole chapter in the middle, chapter 6, where Jesus talks about prayer and fasting and giving, how do we put those spiritual practices into our lives so that they deepen our relationship with God and shape us into the likeness of Christ? Well, my favorite translation of the phrase to act on is to put into practice. These are practices. It's a journey that we're on. We can't just read the Sermon on the Mount and say, okay, I'm going to be more merciful. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to stop being judgmental and then wake up the next morning and we've got it down pat. No, it's a practice. It's a journey. It's noticing our own spirits and our own hearts and those places where we're feeling anger, those places where we're feeling judgmental, and we notice those and we offer those again and again to God. We keep trying, we keep trying, we keep working on it, we keep practicing. And that's one reason I am so grateful for the community of faith. But that's what church is all about. This is the place. These are the people among whom we practice. We practice loving. We learn to be more forgiving and more generous and more merciful. And we help each other along the way. Those of you who are in covenant discipleship groups know exactly what I'm talking about with this kind of practice. We have some folks in our congregation who have committed to being part of a small group, a covenant discipleship group, and they meet every week together. They're still meeting by Zoom or uh, other online formats now. And every week, you're checking in with each other. How is it with your soul? How is it with your prayer life? How have you been practicing generosity? How are you working for justice in our world? How are you making peace? Where have you fallen short? Where have you failed to live up to these teachings? And they provide for each other a circle of grace, a circle of accountability, a circle of encouragement. And that's really what church is all about. We have companions on the journey who can help us practice putting these words of Jesus into action. That may be one of the hardest things about this season of social distancing is how hard it is to be the church, to be together. We can't gather right now. We can connect online through virtual meetings and what a blessing that is. 
but we miss each other. And we long to be together again. So we can come back again and again to this place and practice love together. We are called to do these words of Jesus. And I've heard from many of you that's one of the most frustrating things about this season. There's so many things that we want to do and we can't because we need to be home right now. We want to go out and help rebuild our community that was torn apart by the tornadoes. We want to deliver meals on wheels. We want to go to Guatemala and be with our siblings there in ministry. We want to go and do and put these words into action. But I want to repeat this morning what we've heard again and again during these days. And I believe it really is true that the most merciful, the most generous, the most loving thing we can do right now is to remain home, to practice social distancing for the sake of the more vulnerable folks in our community. This is what is needed most from us right now. So for those of you who are so used to doing and putting love into action, hear that word. It is a word of grace. You are doing a loving thing. And even in this season, there are ways to put Jesus' words into action. Of course, there's that middle chapter, prayer, fasting, and giving. We can do all of those things right now. We can ask and seek and knock in our prayers. We can pray for a vaccine and a cure. We can pray for the health workers who are on the front lines of this disease. We can pray for one another, pray for the poor, pray for those small business owners who are suffering right now. We can ground ourselves in God's love and grow in trust of God's provision for our lives. We can pray the Lord's Prayer and allow it to shape us and move us toward a deeper relationship with God and each other. We're all fasting in different ways already. And we can do that with a spirit of gratitude to give up some of the things we're used to having easy access to for the sake of our community. And every time we wish we had that thing or that food or whatever it is that we don't have right now, we can see that as an invitation to recognize our deeper need for God. We can give. We can be generous as we're able in this moment. We can give to those partners in ministry who are caring for the most vulnerable in our community. We can give to those folks, our hairdressers, our uh, people that we normally would go see right now who are suffering financially because they can't work. And as we ponder the Sermon on the Mount, we can look inward. We can offer ourselves to God in prayer as we notice our anxiety and our worry, as we notice our judgmentalism. We can continue offering that to God. If we look at these three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount, that is plenty of homework for all of us to have. It's a lot of homework for me. And I recognize my own need to do this work. 
which reminds me of the very last story that Jesus tells, the way that he ends this sermon, the story of the two builders. These are both men of action. They're both doing, they're both building houses, but only one of them builds his house on the solid foundation of rock. And I think Jesus is reminding us that we can go out, we can be doing and acting in all sorts of ways. But the most important thing for us is to remember the foundation of all of our acting is Christ himself. We have been studying the words of Christ, but we're invited to remember the word himself is Christ Jesus. It's not about so much what we do or how we do it, but who is at the core of our doing. The grace and the love of God made known in Jesus Christ. We are about to enter into the story of Holy Week, of the love and grace and sacrifice that God made for all of us and for all the world through Jesus Christ. It is that love and that grace that holds us as we go on this journey. We stumble, we fall, we get up again, we companion one another, and we remember always that all of us are held by the rock of God's grace. Thanks be to God.